This is Conversations with Corliss, the podcast that features real and inspiring people who are leading their lives with purpose, passion, and confidence. Through their stories, advice, and expertise, you will be empowered with tools and insights to become the leader you are meant to be. Your host, Corliss, is a Dare to Lead trained, certified success principles coach, best-selling author, and inspirational speaker. As an entrepreneur for more than two decades, she has coached, trained, and mentored thousands to tap into their personal power and realize their potential. Through her company, Corliss Co., she will help you dream again and break through what holds you back from leading the life you want to have. Connect with her today at corliss.ca. Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it. My name is Corliss, and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. With my kids more independent and my career not as fulfilling as it once was, I found myself wondering if this was it and what was next for me. I went looking for answers to recreate my life, and I found them in having meaningful conversations with inspiring people. That's what we'll do here for you. Whatever you're looking for, I'm glad you're here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This is episode 067, You Aren't the Only One with Christina Kuzmich. I feel I need to tell you right now up front that this episode for me is a pinch me moment. I have admired today's guest for years and watched many hours of her videos. They have supported me through some of my most challenging times in life. And with over a billion video views, it's very clear that many others have done the same. I am so grateful for the chance to share this conversation with you and to feature Christina on the Lead Conference Canada 2023 stage. This will be the first time this fun, charismatic, and brilliant woman will speak at a Canadian event, and we are so honored to bring her message of hope and humility to all of you. But we will start today. If you have ever felt alone in life as you've tried to get through life's toughest things, this episode will help you. I'm so happy to share it with you. Make sure and listen all the way through and share this conversation with your friends so that they too know that they're not the only one. Christina Kuzmich is a cheerleader for her fellow humans. It's not something she ever anticipated doing, but after immigrating to America from Croatia during the war in her homeland and later facing more challenges like divorce, single parenting, poverty, and mental health challenges, Christina's goal became clear, to be for others what she needed when she was at her lowest. Now, with well over a billion video views, Christina is providing her audience with encouragement, hope, and humor in a role she never expected to fill. In 2011, Oprah crowned Christina the winner of the Mark Burnett's reality TV competition, Oprah's Search for the Next TV Star. And since working with Oprah, Christina has branched out on her own, creating videos about juggling all of life's challenges and encouraging her audience to prioritize their mental health. She has quickly become a viral sensation with 2.9 million Facebook followers and well over half a million Instagram followers. Christina recently completed a national comedy tour where she performed her Hope and Humor show in 50 cities across the country. She is also a sought-after international keynote speaker who has a unique way of connecting with audiences of all ages. Her first book, Hold On But Don't Hold Still, was released through Penguin Random House in February of 2020 and made it on multiple bestseller lists. It has been translated into seven languages so far. Christina recently also signed a publishing deal for her second book, I Can Fix This, and Other Lies I've Told Myself, which is expected to release this year. If you haven't already, please do go and get on the Lead Conference Canada email list. Make sure you join now and tell your friends to do the same. You do not want to miss this. The direct links to the conference, the email list, and Christina's books and videos are in the show notes. So welcome to the podcast. 
I can hardly believe that I'm sitting in the same room with Christina. I've been a fan and a follower of hers for a long time, and I'm so thrilled that you're here to share. I love everything that you stand for, and I'm really, truly humbled and honored that you're here with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah. So let's start with your story because not everybody's going to know you. And uh, you have an, a very inspiring story. It's actually why I started following you in the first place. Would you like to kind of begin there with kind of take us way back when? <laughs> How far do you want to go back? Well, let's start with where you began because, I mean, you were born and raised in Croatia, right? Yeah. So I was born and raised in Croatia. And then when I was 12, a war started there. And um, the city that I we were living in was basically all the villages around the city were occupied and they were trying to occupy our city. So it was just a very, very tense, dangerous um, spot to be in. And um, when I was 14, my dad got a job offer um, in the States and he took it knowing he would always go back. He, my parents always told us, we're not moving to America. We're just going there until everything calms down and then we're going to move back to Croatia. And so I moved to America um, as a 14 year old starting high school in a completely different world. It was insane. I had a thick accent. I didn't have the cool clothes. I still had PTSD from war stuff. Like every time somebody would drop a textbook accidentally off the desk and, you know, make that loud sound, I would jump up and all the kids would laugh at me. And it was just it was let me tell you this, parents, do not move your child at 14 to a completely different culture. <laughs> or if you do, get him a really great therapist. I needed a, I did not have a really great therapist. I didn't have a therapist at all. I needed some serious therapy. But um, so that was that. And then by the time my parents decided to move back to Croatia, I was starting college and got used to the US and decided to stay. So my whole family's back in Croatia and I'm here. And um, then fast forward, I'm graduating college and I get married. Um, When I look back now, thinking about like, wow, 22 was kind of young to get married. Although I know a lot of people get married at 22 and it's amazing and lasts a lifetime and yay. Um, But I think for me, subconsciously, I just was very alone in this country and mate, I'm, this is just me guessing after a lot of therapy I got later. Um, I, I wanted to build a sense of belonging and family. I think I rushed into something. So got married and within the first year of my marriage, I decided I needed to leave. And this was not a healthy situation and I needed to leave. And right when I was basically like made, made the decision, I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, my child is not going to grow up in a divorce home. There was no divorce in my family. I mean, I'm talking, you go back generations as far as you want, you know, cousins, whoever. (laughs) There was no divorce in my family. It was just not an option. And so I stayed and a year and a half later had another baby. And by then really felt like it was time to leave. And um, so when I left... I just wanted, there was just a lot of drama surrounding that. And I just wanted out in the most peaceful way. I didn't want court battles. I just, I just was at that point where I was exhausted. Um, I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old and I just wanted out. And so I left without asking for any child support. I just left. And I ended up um, sleeping in a little room, sharing the room with my kids. I had to have a roommate in the other room. I couldn't afford an apartment just for us. And I couldn't afford a bed. So I slept on the floor for a while. My friend bought my kids a bunk bed. And um, more than just like the financial struggle, I went on food stamps. I don't know what the Canadian version of that is, but I needed government assistance just to, you know, Mm -hmm. buy food and all that stuff. Beyond all that, the hardest part was that I sunk into this awful depression and self-hatred and, you know, just really was convinced that my children deserve better than me. And Mm. I am such an awful, inadequate human. And maybe my children would actually be better off if I wasn't on this earth Um, because I'm just such a embarrassment and I was so full of shame. And anyway, so that was actually the harder part than just the financial struggle. And that's basically where everything I create now, whether it's a funny video or whether it's a heartfelt, serious video where I share my story, I always think, what did I need when I was at my lowest? That's always sort of my goal. I want to be for others what I needed when I was at my lowest, when I was sleeping on that floor and hated myself. 
Um, and what I needed was I needed to laugh, which is why I make a lot of funny videos. I needed to know that I wasn't the only one, which is why I make a lot of funny videos. And, um, and I needed to, I needed some hope. I needed to know that a bad year or two or five doesn't equal a bad life. It equals a bad year or two or five. And so that's sort of become my passion now through everything I create. Oh, I love that. I love everything about your story. So do you remember what it felt like, like when you were in that low state? So you've touched on a lot of things there because you said there's a lot of shame and guilt and you also layered that guilt with my kids deserve better. So it wasn't just about you and what you wanted, but it was actually like, or how you felt about yourself, but it was now also you're carrying that mom guilt. Talk about what that was like for you at that stage, because you aren't alone in those struggles. And honestly, the first thing that comes to mind and it makes me like tear up right now, but the first word that comes to mind is loneliness. Mm -hmm. It is very lonely to suffer and feel like you're alone and feel like nobody will understand. I had a fear. I had such a fear of speaking my truth because I was already judged by people close to me for getting a divorce. How dare you get a divorce? No matter how bad it is, you stick it out for the kids. So I was, I was shamed into feeling like a bad human being for leaving, even though to this day, I don't regret leaving, even through all the hard stuff I, I went through, I don't regret leaving. Um, so, so I was getting it from the outside, the shame. And, and, you know, I would get, uh, little snarky comments when I would use the food stamp card paying for my groceries. I remember one, one time, and I shared this in my book, um, I'm at the grocery store. It's one of those days where the last thing I want is to be at a grocery store with two little kids. And I have, my son is sitting in the shopping cart and I have my daughter in one arm and I'm trying to just pay for the groceries and the, uh, grocery, the employee says, um, the cashier says, are you using your credit card today? And I said, no, I'll be using my food stamps card. And I hand it to her. And the lady behind me says, why don't you get a job instead of mooching off the government? And I'm, if somebody said that to me now, and if I was in that situation, ooh, they would hear some words, <laughs> especially saying in front of my children, because I want my children to see me stand up for myself. But at the time, I, I felt like I was deserving of those words. So I couldn't even stand up for myself because you know who hated me more than anybody else? Me. You know who judged me more than anybody else? Me. And all I wanted was just to get out of that grocery store before my kids started throwing tantrums because they're tired and, and I need to make dinner. And then this like attack from this woman. And I just remember standing there and going, I didn't even respond to her, but I just remember thinking, she thinks I'm scum and she's right. She's right. And that's such a lonely feeling. And I remember being scared to say out loud, I'm struggling. I'm depressed. I'm having these thoughts that my children are better off without me. Cause I thought they're going to take away the only thing keeping me alive. They're going to say, she's, she's crazy. She needs to be in a psychiatric hospital. We're taking her kids away. And there's the stigma around mental health is getting better and better, but it was, this was like early two thousands. People weren't talking about mental health as openly. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, it's just a very lonely feeling. And I think that even, even people that have never struggled with serious mental health struggles, and I'm going to say, by the way, I believe everybody at some point struggles with some mental health struggles, but even people that haven't gone to that dark, dark place, I believe every human can relate to that feeling of feeling lonely and alone in whatever they're suffering through. Mm -hmm. And there's such power in speaking it. Yes, you speak it. Yes, I guarantee you somebody will judge you. Somebody will judge you. But what you will receive is so much more help because healing doesn't happen in isolation. It happens out in the light. We have to bring it to the light. And so it wasn't until I brought it to the light that I was starting to, you know, heal. And how did you find the courage to do that? So, you know, like there's a lot of people who are listening to this who are saying, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I'm so ashamed. I don't want to talk about it. I feel so alone. I am lonely in my struggles. So what did you, what did you do? You just started sharing it in a safe space or did you just find the courage? Like what did you, what did you do? I remember sitting with my, uh, one of my best friends, Jonathan, who ended up being my dude of honor when I got remarried. <laughs> I didn't have a maid of honor. I had a dude of honor. Um, 
I remember sitting with him and he was, he was my friend that bought my kids bunk bed and he worked um, about 20 minutes from my, the little apartment I lived in. And so he would drive after work and just check on me. And he would, he would do it in a way where he would come over and be like, Hey, just wanted to pop in and read the kids a story. But when I finally, we were sitting on the couch and I said to him, I'm, I'm really struggling and I don't want to, I don't want you to call anybody. I don't, you know, so worried what's, what's going to happen. I, I just, I, I just, I'm really struggling. And he looked at me and said, I know. Why do you think I check on you every evening? Cause I want to make sure you're still here. And that's the thing. Sometimes when we tell people those closest to us, they won't really be shocked because they know us, they know us well enough. Sometimes people will be shocked and that's okay too, because some of us are really good at putting on the fake smile mm-hmm. and pretending everything is okay. But those that really know us, they can see it in our eyes. I mean, I was waiting tables at the time and I would go into the restaurant and I was the biggest prankster. And I was the one that was the most fun and, and had a, you know, and then I would literally get in my car and sob all the way home. Like it took so much energy to put on this fake persona. And so those people were shocked when they found out I was struggling, but the people closest to me were not. And, you know, I hope that everybody has a Jonathan in their life. Um, But if you don't find a support group, there are so many support groups. And if you can't get out of bed, there are so many online support groups. Um, You know, I find that my social media pages have accidentally, that was not my intention, become support groups where somebody will share something, somebody will comment on one of my videos and go, I'm struggling. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to, I go take a shower, whatever. I come back to check Facebook or Instagram. And there are all these comments, replies to that person going, oh my gosh, I've been there too. Hang in there. Hey, message me if you want. You know, I'm, I'm here for you. Like just so much love being poured out. There are those communities, whether online or in person, find those. I know it's exhausting Mm -hmm. to say it and go seek out help when you're struggling, but it's, it's so important and it's so worth it because I, I, I am so glad I stuck around. I, Mm. I am so all the, I could, it would take me forever to list all the reasons. I am so glad I stuck around. If I hadn't turned that corner, I didn't even know what was waiting for me, you know, and, and I don't want to do any of this toxic positivity stuff where, and then life got great and perfect. No, I still have hard days. I still feel sad. I still struggle. You know, that's normal, but I don't, I don't want to end it. I don't believe my kids deserve better than me. I think I'm a badass, amazing mom, not perfect, far from perfect. I make mistakes daily, but I don't hate myself anymore. Mm, you don't hate yourself anymore. Well, for the record, I know I speak for everyone who's listening. We're all glad you stuck around too. Thank you. So the vulnerability part to be able to just have the courage to be vulnerable, to share your truth, that's a, that can open a door, right? But let's go back to talking about feeling that you're worthy and overcoming the shame, you know, because I, I kind of feel like that's the root of a lot of, a lot of the, the aloneness and why we don't share how we're really feeling and what's really going on for us is because we don't feel like we're deserving. We're not good enough. You had that experience in your life. So, you know, talk with the person right now who's feeling like I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I, I haven't done enough. I'm not deserving. Their self-esteem is low. They, they don't feel that they're worthy. Maybe they have people around them who tell them that they aren't. What would you say to that person? I think that I, I always need analogies for my own healing. So I come up with these analogies. Um, and I wrote about this in my book, an analogy I came up with. So from when we're young, we are handed suitcases. That's how I see it. We're all walking around with suitcases. And sometimes a suitcase full of judgment or criticism or whatever will be handed to us and we will pick it up and and carry it as if it belongs to us. We will take it. Um, There was a lot of things I was said, you know, told when I was too young that still stick with me. I think we can all think of something we were told as a child, whether from a teacher, a parent, a bully at school, whatever, that we still like in our forties and fifties, sixties are struggling with. So the way I see it is we're all handed these suitcases full of criticism, judgment. We pick it up. We believe it is ours because when someone is judging you, when someone is criticizing you, what they're basically doing is they are taking their own pain, all the things they're miserable about, 
all the things they're unhappy about, their life's disappointments. And it is so uh, heavy for them to carry that they think that if they hand it to you here, carry my pain, that pain is like dodgeball. They're going to throw that pain, you know, ball of pain at you and it's out of their hands and they're free, but that's not how it works. Right. Because being a crappy human will never make you a happy human. So basically we were handed all these suitcases and we go through life, believing them, um, suitcases full of lies about what we're worth and what we're capable of and who we are. And so I sort of did this thing for myself where I started addressing the suitcases and some, some of it I did on my own. And then I got a great therapist and did it with the therapist. And I was like, this is what I believe about myself. Is this the truth? Is this really a suitcase that belongs to me that I need to deal with in therapy because it is mine and we all have stuff we need to work on. None of us are perfect. Or is this a suitcase someone handed me fiction about who I am, about what I'm worth. And I believed. And then slowly unpacking those suitcases and going, oh, that person handed me that. And it wasn't personal. It was because they're in pain and they have their insecurities and they had their expectations of me because of how it would make them look if I wasn't whatever they needed me to be, a reflection of their worth, right? So it's a complicated process, but I would tell anyone who is feeling unworthy, look at your suitcases mm. and, and, and think, who were you meant to be before the world told you who to be? Who were you before everybody else started telling you who you are? What was your worth before everybody else started telling you what you're worth? Uh, I want to share one more thing on that. I made a video a few years ago. It's one of my favorite videos ever made. Um, I invited some friends over. They knew they'd be on camera. They didn't know what would happen. I just said, I need, are you willing to be vulnerable on camera? Yes. Great. And I invited these friends over one by one. And I sat down with them and I said, tell me things that you tell yourself, like mean things that you tell yourself. And one of them said, oh, I'm just so incapable of things and I'm inadequate and I just, ugh. And then another woman said, I gained all this weight, I'm fat and I don't think I have the strength to ever lose it. I'm just not good enough to ever lose it. I'm, nev I'm never gonna be healthy. And then another woman said, I'm a bad mother. Same thing that I used to say, my kids deserve better than me. I think, you know, I just feel like my children got really unlucky by having me. Another woman said, I'm just a slob. It was all these things, right? They tell themselves. And then each one, one by one, I pulled out a picture of them as a child. And they didn't know that I'd contacted their spouses ahead of time and said, send me an email, me a picture. And I blew them up eight by 10. And I took out a picture. Each of them were probably around three or four years old. And I said, Great. Now I want you to say all those same things that you said to this picture and not a single person could do it. They all got choked up and they're like, no, I can't tell this sweet little girl that she's inadequate. I can't tell this sweet girl, little girl that she's unworthy, that she's lazy, that she's awful, that she's ugly, that she's, I can't, I can't, that just sounds so cruel. And I said, but you're saying it to that little girl. You're saying it to an older version of that little girl. And that's the thing, like we have to treat ourselves. We have to protect our self-worth the way we would want it protected for that tiny little innocent child, because mm -hmm. that's still who we are. Yes, we got older and we got beat up by the world and by media telling us what we're supposed to look like and, you know, telling us what we're supposed to accomplish in life and what is a perfect mother and what is a perfect marriage and what is a perfect career, and right? And just to go back to those roots of, what do I want for this little girl? That's how I'm going to treat myself. That's how I'm going to talk to myself. And also, what would this girl believe about herself if she wasn't handed those suitcases? Wow. Wow. That's, that's brilliant. I'm going to actually make sure in the podcast notes that I put that video that you did. You have such great content there and something that we can all really relate to. I like to call them default stories. You know, I'm going to share a little story here because this just actually happened. And I feel like we're healing it our whole lives, aren't we? Like these stories that we tell ourselves. And um, it just recently, we were planning a, a family vacation to Hawaii. It was such a big deal. It was like after COVID, our family was finally able to come from across the country and we're going to go to Hawaii. There was going to be 17 of us and everybody got there except for my son and myself. <laughs> so it was, um, 
I'm chuckling about it now, but believe me, it was it was a really hard thing because it was it was more than just the vacation. It, it turned out that first of all, it was the chance of a lifetime to be there for my son to have the time with his cousins. He had all these cousins the same age for them to learn surfing and have all these wonderful things they were going to do together. And because we haven't traveled for a long time, I had to work really hard to get my son's passport, and there was all kinds of loopholes and things. Or sorry, no, not loopholes. I had to jump through a bunch of hoops to try and get his passport. There were so many things involved with it. And then the weather took over and our flight was canceled. And then we had to come back the next day. And then it was canceled again. We went through this for four days in a row. And then finally, the airline just looked at us and said, like, you're not going like, sorry, but it's not going to happen. And I was crushed. But you know what? It was so much more than the vacation, though, because what I really realized was the the stories that I was telling myself around this. So one of the stories that came up was, no matter how hard I try, you're not good enough. You'll never, you can't make it happen because I had worked really hard to try and make it happen. So that was one of the stories. The other one was, um, you must, you mustn't be a good person and you deserve these bad things to happen. And now not only are you being punished, but your, your son's being punished as well. Like it was crazy. And I have done lots of work, lots of therapy on, you know, unraveling those old stories that I was telling myself, but yet they came up when, I was faced with that situation. It was like over and over again that somehow I felt like I was unworthy, undeserving, and and that somehow this was a punishment that I was supposed to get. It was crazy. Like as you work with people and as you talk with people and you have many people who share their stories with you, is that common? Like, is that something that you see a lot? Yeah, because we, there's so many things in life that happen that are completely out of our control, but somehow we feel like if we can't control them, we're inadequate, right? We we mm. always blame ourselves, you know, something awful can happen and I will find a way to make myself the person that's, you know, guilty right. for that, even though it's completely yeah. out of my control. Right. I have this rule for myself. So um, I shared with my audience that my oldest son struggled with mental health really badly, the... Um, it started about six years ago and he's doing great now, but, um, and that's what I'm actually finishing up. My second book is on that parenting a child, uh, struggle with mental health struggles. Um, but during that time it was so hard and so many things were out of my control. I can't fix mm. this depression. I can't fix the suicidal thoughts. I, you know, and I was like, in fact, my second book is called, I can fix this and other lies I, I've told myself because I think we feel like we have to be able to fix it. What's wrong with me? I'm inadequate. I don't know the answers. I don't know how to help my kid. Something's wrong with me. Right. And I came up with this rule during that time. The harder the day, the kinder I have to be to myself. Mm. So if I wake up and I know who today's going to be tough, I have to up the kindness, up the grace, up the forgiveness towards myself. And that's what I thought of now when you were telling me about your canceled trip. I thought, gosh, you know, you knew today's going to be rough. Yeah. What if you had just forced yourself to up that kindness? And it's easier said than done. I think everything in life is easier said than done. But it's just a, pra and it's one of those things you have to put into practice. And now I feel like it comes to me more naturally. I still struggle with you know, those feelings that we all struggle with, but it's somehow I can get there quicker to go, whoa, this is out of my control. This is not a reflection of my ability or self-worth. I got to be really kind to myself because today's rough. The things that are out of my control are rough. What is the one thing I can control? How I treat myself. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to treat myself really good right now. I'm going to spoil myself with kindness right now because everything around me sucks and is heavy. Um, I was going to say one more thing about that. I just shared something to my stories recently. And I, this is a new thing that I'm trying to practice. Every time I feel, for example, I'm not good enough or I'm inadequate, replacing it with mm, that inner bully is really loud today. Oh, because wow. it doesn't make it about me. I'm inadequate. I'm not worthy. No, no, no. It's the inner bully. It's the insecurities. They're extra loud today. I'm aware, I'm paying attention. I know you're loud, but I'm not gonna let you lead, guide, stop me. I, you're, you, don't, you don't get to be in charge. And just, it's like, it puts it, it, it makes it less personal, makes it less about mm -hmm. us. It's somebody else yeah. attacking us instead of 
oh, this is a reflection of me. Wow. That is so brilliant. I've never actually heard that before, but it is, it's like this inner bully telling us that, you know, feeding us all those old stories. Whereas like, if we can look at it from a bird's eye view, like step outside of it, don't get caught up in it. Look outside what's really the truth here and make some new decisions. Yeah. Amazing. So let's, let's, uh, I want to just pick your brain about, we've talked about vulnerability, but I want to talk to you about comparison. I want you to share, because I think a lot of times when we're in that state of we're alone in this struggle, we start comparing ourselves to other people because we, and that actually makes the loneliness even deeper. It, it cuts harder, right? So when somebody is feeling alone and they start comparing themselves to somebody either online or comparing themselves to who the bully says they should be, <laughs> what, what, what should they do? What, what should we do to like interrupt that? Mm. I mean, that's a tough one for everyone. I think I, I think it's, again, everything takes time. Unfortunately, I wish there were like quick, quick fixes, of course, but I have the amount of, so I was on a tour for a while. Um, and we would do a meet and greet after each show and people would really open up to me because they were used to me opening up. So they would get real vulnerable. Just, you know, it was a one-on-one -on -one meeting and I cannot tell you how many times I have heard somebody say, everybody in my life thinks my life is perfect. They think my marriage is perfect. They think I'm the perfect mother. And the truth is I go to bed crying every night. My husband's cheating on me. You know, it takes me forever to make my house look pretty because I'm so just live in this fear of being judged. I feel like everything has to be look perfect. And because my mother taught me that, that if, if my house isn't perfect, it's a reflection of me. And I mean, that's the thing. There is no perfect, all the stuff we're comparing ourselves to, and especially social media has made it so much worse. We're seeing these snippets. You don't know what's underneath. I often think if you knew that perfect person you're comparing yourself to perfect in quotes, mm -hmm. if you knew what their life was like, maybe you'd be actually more grateful for yours. Maybe you'd be like, Ooh, I don't want that. And I'm not saying that everybody who posts this perfect stuff, that their life totally sucks, but everybody struggles. Everybody struggles. Yes. Why compare our struggles? You know, I right. mean, well, you know, when my son was, my oldest son was struggling with mental health and I don't share anything on social media about my kids, unless I have full permission, I won't even post a picture, a sentence, nothing. So nobody knew he later, not only gave me permission, but he's helping me with the book. Cause he wants, you know, teens mm -hmm. to hear from another teen. But during that time when I wasn't sharing anything about him, so many people, you know, I would, I would go do a video and you know, I would either get comments about like, oh, your life is so easy. And I'm like, you don't even understand that after this video, I have to go visit my son at a psychiatric hospital and, you know, like just so much stuff. Or I would do a video after being up all night crying and checking up on him and making sure he's okay. And my face was so puffy and the comments would be like, oh my gosh, wish I had money to get that many fillers in my face. Your face is all puffy. Wow. <laughs> like overfilling my, you know, it's like, we don't know. The point is we don't know the full story. Your, your, your friends that you hang out, you don't even know probably their full story. You know, there, there are so many things that we are all struggling with. So just focus on your life. There's something so powerful and healing on going. I have a purpose. I have my flaws. Everybody else does. I have my strengths. Everybody else does. What can I do with me? Spend so much time and energy focusing on your own life and loving your family and your passions and pursuing your dreams that you run out of time to compare and compete and judge. Okay. It would be awkward for me to stand and cheer right now, but that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> I'd like to jump up out of my chair and be like, let's just, let's applaud that. That was incredible. And it's so true. It's like, if you put all of your time and all of your focus and all of your energy into yourself, not in an egotistical way, but in a way of like improving yourself and, and working on the things and being empathetic towards yourself, you're going to practice that towards other people. 
I mean, when you're empathetic and kind towards yourself, it just becomes a way of being. And then you kind of can practice that towards other people as well. You know, there's that quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. And I certainly think that that's true. As soon as you start comparing, comparing and comparing and comparing, it's going to steal all your joy. So just don't put your energy there. It's just, it's just not worth it. And like you say, like everyone has their, their challenges. And just because somebody posts a great video doesn't mean that they've got all this wonderful stuff going on behind they might have all this other stuff going on behind the scenes and and really I mean you know I like to be who I am I think that's one of the things I appreciate about you the most is that you are who you are no matter where you are like you'll share your struggles you'll share your you know your triumph you'll you'll share all of it and I think it's the realness of that that I appreciate about you and I think that everyone listening will feel the same way so thank you for that I have the most exciting announcement to make. Lead Conference Canada is launching in 2023 in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan on November 3rd and 4th. This is the first of its kind Canadian event where we will feature a powerful lineup of both professional and inspirational speakers to help you feel empowered to lead your life. No need to spend tons of time and money traveling abroad to an event of this caliber. We are bringing the world-class speakers to you. You're invited to join us for an incredible two days of connection, motivation, and inspiration. The reality is that all of us will go through periods in our lives where we feel burned out, stuck, or unsatisfied. This is why we need an event like Lead Conference Canada, because through connecting with others, learning through their stories, you can find your own spark again to feel empowered to move forward with confidence. This high energy personal growth event will offer you the perfect mix of inspiration and practical how-tos. We have already launched a few of our powerhouse speakers, including Arlene Dickinson and Christina Kuzmich, but there is much more to come, so much more. Join the Lee Conference Canada email list to get in on all of the details and have a chance to get the best seats at the lowest price. Make sure and head to corliss.ca forward slash lead 2023 now. Just because you post something that's really stellar, it doesn't mean that, um, like, because I think sometimes if we watch social media and we think, oh, well, I'm not going to compare myself to that because that's their highlight reel, they might actually genuinely be doing well at that point, but they might have a low point some at some other time. I think that's what we're talking about, right? right? Everyone's going to have a low point. Everybody is, you cannot get through this life without struggling. It is impossible. Everyone's going to struggle. Everyone's going to have bad days. Everyone's going to have self-esteem issues. I, I remember, you know, because I was, you know, had a hard time adjusting to the culture in America and I was made fun of. I remember at some point being like, my goal in life is to get rid of all of my insecurities. I'm going to get rid of all my insecurities. And I realized that's impossible. It's impossible to get mm-hmm. rid of all others. Confidence is not the absence of insecurities. Confidence just means I'm not going to let those insecurities call the shots. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of it even that way, all of those people with their quote unquote perfect lives, they all struggle with feelings of, you know, am I, am I worthy enough? Am I good enough? I mean, everybody struggles. There is no perfect life. It doesn't exist. Um, and I have an acquaintance who has so much money, lives in the most beautiful, I mean, she wouldn't call it a mansion. I would call it a man. Like I get lost <laughs> when I'm in a beautiful house, wonderful husband. And so many times when I've been around this person, she's like, oh my gosh, she's scrolling through social media and she's going, I have to show you this house. I wish I could have that house. She already has the most beautiful home, but she wants more. She wants better. That's, that's the trap we fall into when we start comparing. You want something better when you get that better. If your habit is comparing, you're still going to want more. And when you get that more, it's not going to be good enough. You're still going to want more. You are literally going to spend your life chasing instead of enjoying. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is the, one of the, not only is comparison the thief of joy now, it will ruin the rest of your life. You could get the perfect husband and the perfect, and you will still want more because it becomes like a drug, right? Yeah. So stop chasing and start going, what do I, what, what is the best thing I can do with what I have now? How can I enjoy this? How can I make a beautiful life with this? 
That's what, what you just said there. That's what I love so much about your Christmas video that you just posted about, you know, the cardboard cutout Christmas tree because you couldn't afford to actually have a tree and the kids really liked it. I mean, for those who haven't seen that video, maybe just share the story of that because that is exactly what you're talking about here. It's like get present to making the best of what you've got right now with what you have and you'll never feel like you need more because you love what you have. You might strive for more, but you'll love what you have. Um, yeah. So when, you know, my kids and I were broke and I couldn't afford Christmas presents and I felt like a loser, I went to the thrift store and I bought them each a used toy, just one gift each. And it was like, you know, a toy you can get at a thrift store that some other kid has already played with and probably broken pieces of it. And then I couldn't afford a Christmas tree. So I took a big piece of cardboard and I cut it out in a Christmas tree shape. And I gave my kids markers and said, let's draw some ornaments. And the truth is at that time, I did not have that attitude I'm talking about now where I was mm -hmm. like, I'm making the best of what I have. I felt like a loser, but I could see the smile on my kids' faces, you know? And now when I talk to my kids about those times, they're like, oh my gosh, that was so fun, you know? Um, or I remember very clearly um, going, taking uh, my kids to a friend's birthday party and the friend's bedroom looked like Pottery Barn had vomited all over. I mean, it was like the perfect bedstead and the perfect decorations and all this stuff. And on the ride home, um, my son was like, mommy, they had these big wood cutouts of their name on the wall. And it was just beautiful. These huge letters that spelt out the names of the kids. And they were like, oh, I want that. I want that. Uh, especially because my kids have a little more unique names because they're Croatian. So they can never find anything with their names anywhere. And I was like, I couldn't even afford like a quarter of one of those letters. Right. So I ended up tucking them into bed. And then again, we shared rooms. So right next to their bed, I had some old magazines and I cut out letters from the magazines to spell their names. And I put it on the wall. And I remember looking at it and going, this is so lame. I'm such a loser. <laughs> and, I went to bed. and the next morning, my kids woke up before me and they were like, mommy, mommy did you do they loved it. They loved it. Just seeing their names in the wall. It didn't matter that it was not these beautiful pottery barn wood things. It yeah. was just, it was free for me to do this. So I, I, gosh, if I could do one, if I could tell myself back then, yeah, that version of me, if I could tell her one thing right now, I would go, Oh my gosh, you are freaking amazing. You're amazing. <laughs> you are, you are hearing your kids you know, say this and you're immediately thinking creatively, how can I give them this for free? How can I, and you are, you know, even though you think you're comparing what you did instead of going to bed and sulking and be like, oh, my kids will never have that. You did the best you could with what you had. That cardboard Christmas tree, you did the best with what you had. I mean, I, I wish I could shake that girl. And that's why I'm so passionate about talking to anybody else who's struggling now is you might not see it, but I am telling you, I see it. Th that person who is struggling financially or depression or whatever, and you are still getting up in the morning and you are still loving your family. You are freaking incredible. You are incredible. Oh, I love that. And that's almost a solution. I, I always look for solutions. And this is what I'm taking away from that. Do the best with what you have and just kind of keep yourself focused on that. And then comparison kind of falls away because it's like, this is what I have. We're never all going to have the exact same thing. We all have something different. We're all at different stages. We're at different backgrounds. We're different circumstances. We all are. So just do the best with what you have. Yeah. And when I saw those smiles on my kids' faces, when I put their names up, I, for, I didn't think about those wood letters anymore. No. I didn't think about like, oh, can I save up enough money? Can I surprise? I didn't. I was like, oh my gosh, they're so happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So we've talked about the fact that we all go through struggles in our lives. And all I keep envisioning is like this roller coaster of life where we have, you know, sometimes we're at the top and it feels so good and it's so fun. And even on the way down, you know, you get that rush and that thrill, but then you find yourself down in the hall and you got to get yourself back out we're all going to have that. So when we fall into that trap of comparing ourselves to other people or comparing ourselves to who we think we should be or where we should be at in our lives, perhaps we just need to recognize that it's it's ups and downs, it's highs and lows, and that that is just totally normal and just stick with doing the best that you can and that you are not alone in any of that. The journey might be different for each of us, but it's still the same in some ways. Yeah, and really importantly, when you do start comparing, 
don't beat yourself up for it. Don't be like, ah, why can't I be like right. that conversation I heard on the podcast where I just don't do that? Because <laughs> what we humans tend to do is life is hard and then we make it way harder because we beat ourselves up for every little thing. So when you do start comparing or when you let your insecurities get the best of you, don't beat yourself up for and be like, why can't I be more confident? Why can't I be more whatever? Say to yourself, I right now I am humaning. That's what I'm doing. I'm being a normal human being. That's what I'm doing. I should wear a tiara and get a reward for being a human because all <laughs> humans will occasionally fall into the trap of feeling insecure or comparing. So acknowledge that and go, you know what? I'm going to choose to spend the rest of my day focusing on what I can do to make this day good for myself and my family. And when those thoughts creep up, I'm just going to go back to, whoop, you know, you have to answer one question. What can I do today? Not right. what anybody else is doing. So just don't, I, I feel like we add so much shame and stuff because we beat ourselves up for everything. We feel like, right. I mean, I go through that, you know, I'm in therapy right now. <laughs> And, and I'm like, oh, I made progress. And I, I one of the things I struggle with currently because of everything I experienced with my son is parenting out of fear, coming from a place of fear. Mm. And so I'll have a great day where I'm like, oh, I really, I did not let fear guide me today. This is great. I'm feeling good. And then the next day, all of a sudden I'm like, anxiety takes over and I'm parenting out of fear. And, and then I'm like, man, I thought I made progress. What's wrong with me? And I have to Christina myself. <laughs> And go, whoa, lady, you think you're going to be perfect? You're expecting yourself to get it right all the time? Who do you think you are? Nobody, like, why would you be like that when there is no human that's like that? And then right. I just find myself, I'm humaning today. I am being right. a perfectly normal human being. Oh, I always say, give yourself some grace. I just remind myself, you get grace today. It's okay. But now I'm going to pick up what Christina says, and I'm going to be humaning today. <laughs> so you have over a billion video views. Oh my gosh, like over a billion. Like, wow. So you're a 14-year-old insecure girl who comes from Croatia to America, is trying to find her place. Now you have over a billion video views. Let's just sit with that for a moment. So was there ever a time, say, when you were like starting making your videos where you were scared? Was there, do you still get scared now to share your truth? Like, where did this all come from? How did your journey with getting a billion video views over a billion? So I'll tell wow. you the short version of the story because it's a long story. Okay, um, of course. I got remarried to an awesome man um, and but it's not perfect just for all of those who are like, I wish I had an awesome man. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, nothing's perfect, but um, we got married and he said to me, you have been in survival mode. I've watched you over dating, just try and like pay rent and, and, you know, deal with all the stuff your kids need. You've just been in survival mode what do you want? Like, what are you passionate about? What do you want to do for you? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't even, I mean, any exhausted mom knows that you're like, I forgot what my dreams are. I, I don't even know my middle name anymore. And, um, he handed me his car keys and he said, just go and like, get away from the noise of motherhood and life. I'll take care of the kids. Just go, go somewhere peaceful to the beach, wherever. And just think about what you wanted to do before life got so crazy. And I came back and I said, you know, I've always been so passionate about cooking and I won't show the story here because it's too long, but um, cooking in a way saved my life when I was really struggling because it was the one thing I felt confident in. And I said, I want to make, I want to put some cooking videos out there. What if I shared my recipes online? I don't know. Could we get like a friend or somebody who has a camera? I didn't even have a smartphone at the time to make videos. Can I, can I just make some cooking videos? And I want to make cooking videos that like that mom who's struggling would love. Like I want the kitchen because we had a tiny little apartment when we got married. I want the kitchen to be a mess. We had this oven where the every time you went to open the oven, the handle would fall off. And I was like, <laughs> all of that. And I want to cook while dancing and being silly. And I want it to be a mess. And I just want everything to be not perfect, but still make a great meal. So mm -hmm. he was all excited to help me. He found a friend who had a camera and we shot these little videos and long story short, Oprah ended up having this competition for a search for the next TV star. And it was produced by Mark Burnett, who has done Survivor and The Voice and all these big shows. And somebody told me about it. So I was like, whatever. So I sent in one of my cooking videos. I mean, these cooking videos, if you guys go back to my first YouTube videos, you'll find them. They are not like good quality or anything at all. And again, long story short, because this is a very long story. Um, Oprah picks me to be one out of like over 10,000 no. applicants. Yeah. To be one of the 10 people. I did not know this. Yeah. To compete for my own TV show. 
And um, all the applicant, all the the ten contestants were in this reality show to win the next, you know, a, a show on her network. It could be any kind of show you wanted. So I wanted to have a cooking show, and I end up winning. No, it was the craziest story because again, I go into details more about it in my book. So those people who are listening over in my book are like, I know the story. <laughs> but um, a few years before that, I'm literally sleeping on the floor, and wow. I and then. My, a few years later, Oprah is giving me a car. No, my and, uh, one season of a cooking show. Okay. So she grabs me by the shoulders on the, you know, when I won and I'm trying not to pee myself because Oprah is touching <laughs> me. That's weird. Why is Oprah even in the same room with me? And she tells me like, I love your authenticity. Don't change who you are. I love how authentic you are. She's like, people in this industry will try to change you. Stay authentic. She ends up going to film a movie. And I end up with TV producers who did exactly what she warned me about. And they decided that I needed to be a perfect mom in a perfect kitchen because that's what cooking shows look like. And I would like timidly raise my hand in these meetings and I'd say, I have an idea. Could we do a show where my kids are throwing a tantrum in the background while I'm trying to make dinner? Because that's what parents can relate to. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Have you watched Food Network? Have you watched cooking shows? Everything has to be perfect. That would mess with the sound. Wow. And I was like, oh, and then I said, okay, well, okay, we don't have to have our kid, my kids in it if you think that's gonna be too crazy. How about it's early morning and I hadn't taken my makeup off the night before. I'm in my pajamas and my mascara is smeared all over my face and I'm just <laughs> and I end up burning the breakfast. And it's fine. We just order some donuts and you know, it's just an episode to encourage parents, but we still post the recipe online. And they're like, no, no. And I was not confident enough to say this is the show I want to make and we're going to make it my mm. way. Instead, I was like, I just need to be grateful. Oh my gosh, over 10,000 people wanted this and I got it. I just need to shut up and be grateful. They know more than me. We end up shooting the show in this million dollar home with this perfect kitchen. I have a stylist. I have mm. a makeup artist that, you know, I am like what you would see in most cooking shows. I remember one time specifically, I accident, I was pouring milk into a bowl and some of it accidentally spilt out. And I just like used my hands and I messed it all over the counter. I said, it's not a mess, people. It's art. Look at this. I just painted my countertop. <laughs> and they were like, no, no, cut. They cleaned it all up. You can't wow. do that. If you spill, just we're well, just going to cut. I mean, and I was dying inside because I felt like I was betraying that girl who was sleeping on the floor. And I didn't have a TV at the time. But if I had had a TV and turned it on and watched this perfect mom in a perfect kitchen, what would it have done for me? It would have just added another mm -hmm. layer of I'm inadequate. I'll never look like that. I'll never have a kitchen yeah. like that. I'll never cook so perfectly where her children, she probably has a nanny watching them while she's cooking. I don't have that. My kids are throwing tantrums while I'm cooking. I just felt awful. And thankfully it was just one season and we were done. And I had meetings with Food Network and all these people and everybody just wanted me to be an expert. And I said, I'm not an expert. I just want to encourage people. Okay, that's weird. Nope. And I ended up being like, okay, nope, this isn't going to work for me. TV's not for me. That's fine. I'm going to go back to my lovely life with my new husband and my kids. End up having uh, my third child. And one night, late at night, my whole family's asleep except the baby and me. And I'm breastfeeding him and my shirt is all the way up. And I'm having this beautiful moment with him. And I look down and my stomach is covered in stretch marks. And I'm like, it's disgusting. My stomach's disgusting. And then it hit me instead of focusing on the fact that there's legit milk pouring out of my nipples right now and feeding my child, like I have magical boobs. I am concerned about some silly insecurity like stretch marks. And I turned on the camera the next morning and that's the first video, parenting video I made. And it was four reasons stretch marks are sexy. And I was super nervous, but I also didn't think a lot of people would see it and they didn't. And then I made another video and then I made another. And of course it was all scary at first. And then all of a sudden Ashton Kutcher shared one of my videos and I was like, what? Because him and his wife, they just had a baby. And so he saw something and related to it. Anyway, it, this is a very long answer to your very short question. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but it's all, perfect. I'm fascinated. Keep going. None no, of us all, want you to stop. All that to say, I just decided I'm going to go back to posting what makes me happy. And I think that's what people resonated with is I wasn't trying to do it for views. I wasn't trying to impress anyone. I was sure that my, you know, the, even the option of having a career in the public eye or through videos or TV was over forever because 
Nobody wanted me the way I was. And here I was in my pajamas, my house is a mess and posting how motherhood is hard. And people are like, oh, thank you. I needed to hear that. And all of a sudden it just like grew and grew and grew. I don't get scared to post anymore because I don't really care if people like me or not anymore. <laughs> thank God I used to. I don't care anymore if people like me or not. I just think, is this something I could have used when I was struggling? Then great. Maybe one out of the billions of people that are on this earth will relate. And if I can make that person smile or give them some hope, I don't care what the rest of the people think. So if as long as I always go back to being for others when I when I was at my lowest, then I don't, I'm not worried about what I'm posting. That's amazing. That is amazing. I call that purpose. Because you're just really connected to the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing. And it's not about the uh, the superficial things, you know, the views or what's... It's literally connected to the heart and soul of what you're doing, why you're doing it. And that's it. Yes? Yeah. If you can really get in touch with your purpose and really, I mean, marry it, like be so one with your purpose, it will definitely cut down on worrying about judgment or about comparing because you know your thing and you are so passionate about it. And that is the only thing you are working for. Then nothing else matters. Then the outside noise, it's, you can still hear it, but it's like someone turned the volume down on it. Mm, you can still hear it, but someone turned the volume down. I like that a lot. The, the, um, the, that, that like inner purpose, passion, that thing that it's like, you would do it no matter what it means so much to you, you would do it and just stay focused on that. And then the rest is just noise. It just doesn't matter. And just pull yourself back to that. That's actually one of the things that divorce taught me in my hardest times of my life. When, I would, there was all this noise. I knew there was going to be judgment. I knew all these things were going to go on around me. And I just kept saying to myself, but what is it for you right here, right now? Because if you make a decision, you know, not in an emotional state, but grounded in who you really want to be, how you want to show up, what your purpose is as a human being, then it really doesn't matter what's going to happen outside of that, what anybody else says, because you know, inside of you, you had the heart of intent, the spirit of intent, and you did it for the right reasons. Yeah. And not to be cheesy, but I think like on my last days on this earth, would I rather look back and go, gosh, I spent a lot of time comparing and worrying about that person who wrote a nasty comment on my social media and that person who judged me at school pickup and that, or would I rather think, man, I had a purpose and I fought for it and I put all my energy and love and work into it. And I mean, I just like, there's something so peaceful about the idea of going, I lived my days knowing what my purpose is and then like just going with that, running with that. There's, I, I, I love that. I love the idea of that. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you're in your fifties and you still haven't figured out your purpose, that's okay. You're not late to anything. You're not late to anything. I know people who found their purpose in their 70s and did amazing things. And it's not that the rest of their life was wasted. All those years led to you figuring out what your purpose is. And you were able to put in so much good into the world, even without knowing what it is. So it's never too late to find your purpose. Oh, beautiful. That's a whole... live... Sorry, Sorry, I'm going to say sometimes we are living our purpose without even realizing that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is going to be a full-on conversation. Um, this could be another. I, my original name of my company was With Purpose Consulting. Purpose is the foundation of everything for me. So this could be a whole other conversation. Maybe we'll continue it at some point down the road. Um, but I do have three closing questions that I always ask all of my guests on the podcast. But before I do, I wanted to ask you if there was anything else that you really wanted to share with the listeners today, especially so that they don't feel alone. They're a little less alone. Any Anything else you wanted to add to the conversation today? I mean, I think we covered most of it, but again, just, you know, back to that picture of the little girl or little guy who, mm -hmm. you know, um, I really encourage you to find a picture of yourself and put it up wherever, if you're, if you, if the negative, you know, things you tell yourself is about your body, put it on your bathroom mirror where you're naked. Um, if it's at work because you're, you know, you feel inadequate and you're not going to put it somewhere on your desk, wherever it is, 
maybe have one in multiple places, one in your car. One, and when that thought comes, when that inner bully thought comes, immediately put your eyes on that photo and try and say it there. And it will just over mm -hmm. time, again, nothing happens overnight, but over time, it will teach you to be way gentler with yourself. And you deserve that. You may have not been raised to know you deserve that, but you deserve that. And I want that for you. And I want you to get to a place where you know you deserve it and you want it for yourself. Hmm. And you can give that to yourself. That's basically what you're teaching us here. You can, you can. Thank you, Christina. What a, what, there's so many ahas in this whole thing. I still can't believe that Oprah touched your shoulders. I know. And that you, I did not know that part of your story. And I didn't know that you won that. That's so neat. Especially, you know, on social media, we follow things and we think we kind of have an idea. You know, we, we talk about like judging and compare, comparison, but like, I kind of thought I knew your story, not in judgment and not in comparison because oh my gosh not not like that but I thought I knew your story but there's always more than meets the eye like that's really I thought I kind of knew it and surprise <laughs> surprise right here on a podcast with you face to face I I learned something very new about you that's so neat I can't wait to read your books and everybody I will be putting um, all of Christina's links to everything that she's talked about into her books it will all be um, in the show notes here so make sure and check it out follow her I posted her video yesterday it was shared so many times in the last uh, 24 hours is incredible. Uh, what she stands for, I stand for. That's what I actually titled it, Christina, when I shared it, because this the story is so powerful. You're so real and so authentic, and you offered us a lot of value today. So thank you so much. I already can't wait to, to share the next experience with you. So the three closing questions. The first one is, is because we call this a real leadership podcast. Now, the reason that it's a real leadership podcast is because I have a belief that we're all leading in some way, shape or form. We all are, whether it's in our homes and our careers and our communities, who we are is someone of influence, every single one of us. And because of that, I'm really trying to inspire people to see themselves that you are leading wherever you are. So what does leadership mean to you? That's kind of, that's the first closing question. Mm. I think a lot of times when people think of leadership, it's like, the the big role the the person mm -hmm. who knows it and whatever the you know the one ahead the one we should all just look up to and i think of it more as and this actually came from me learning how to parent a child with mental health struggles i think true leadership is learning to come from a place of curiosity instead of a place of assumption mm. um and that's what makes us great leaders it's that it's that strive to learn, to ask, not to just know, but to, and also the best leaders, I think, give themselves permission. There's such a freedom and I don't know, I am learning. So to me, if you're always coming from a place of curiosity, you will be the best leader. Wow. Agreed. I, I'm actually, I have to share a story with you because I was not, Oprah did not touch my shoulders, but, but my bum was where Oprah's was. So, <laughs> so so well, the same. Yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah, for sure. But I went to Jack Canfield's home, which is like a whole nother story. It was such an incredible experience. So I was invited to his home to come and do some work with him in a mastermind. And and when I, I approached his home, he was standing outside and he was like so gracious and was like so welcoming and go ahead inside, make yourself at home. And I was like shaking in my boots. I mean, I go in there and I'm like, where should I sit? Of course, I tried to find the best seat that I could to where I thought I'd have the best view of like everything that was about to happen. So I go into Jack's front room where the, the event was going to happen and I pick a spot, I sit down and when he came into the room, he's like, interesting, you chose to sit there. And my immediate response was, oh my God, am I like, am I allowed to sit here? Is this okay? And he said, oh yes, but it's interesting because that's where Oprah's at two weeks ago when she was here. And I was like, oh my God. Like my bum like is where Oprah, <laughs> I took a selfie. Oprah sat here. It was like <laughs> hilarious. But anyway, what was so magical about Jack? Like, I mean, Jack is like, I mean, he is world renowned. I mean, the man has so much knowledge and so much experience and he's just incredible. Right. And the success principles work and he teaches them and he created them. And he's just an amazing man. And yet on the first break, at that mastermind, he came over and was talking with me and, and one of the other uh, women that were there. And he was so curious. He was asking us 
so many questions. Like he was full on curious about our experience and what we were learning and our story. It was amazing. And I remember being so taken aback by that, thinking this man is so educated. He's world renowned and yet he's interested and curious in what I think about something. He was always looking to learn. And I think I think you're a definition of leadership. I saw that in Jack even that day. So that really resonated with me and actually reminded me of the story of going to Jack's house and being where we at. Now, you've written books. You've listened to many podcasts, been on many guests as a podcast. Can you recommend, say, one book that was a real game changer for you? Like one book that you read and you were like, oh, my gosh, everybody needs to read this book. There are many, but um, and this is going to sound like I'm pitching my friend, but one of my best friends, his name is Zach Anner. And he has a book. Well, first of all, he was born with cerebral palsy and um, very openly and in a very humorous way talks about, you know, growing up in a wheelchair and uh, just the things that he struggled with physically. And um, he wrote a book called If at Birth You Don't Succeed. which is a hilarious title because he's like, I botched my own birth because basically he came early and that's what caused some of the um, physical disabilities he has. And so the book is so funny, but it's so vulnerable. And I've always been very inspired by his vulnerability and how he can find the humor in it. And not again, not in that toxic positivity of like, oh, everything's right. Like he's just very open. Um, But the book is so beautiful and it's so inspiring. And um, I just think everybody should read it. So if at birth, you don't succeed by Zach Yenner. Excellent. Oh, I love it. Okay. Final, final closing question. Based on all of the highs and all of the lows and everything that you've been through in your life, if you were able to leave the world with just one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. This is going to sound so simple, but... I just think it's really important. Be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. I I just think about the amount of problems in this world that would be solved if everybody was kinder to themselves. I think of, you know, people who struggle with anger and violence and, you know, whatever, like, like all the evil stuff in the world. I believe so much of it comes from own self-hatred, own, you know, Mm. self-agonizing, beating yourself up. You know, you hear about all these kids who are never good enough for their parent. And, and yes, some, some people grow up with so much negativity that it's like, it consumes them. Right. Um, my gosh, if that just came naturally to us, if there was like plastic surgery (laughs) where we could just like have a surgery and then just be kinder to ourselves. I, I genuinely believe it would solve so many problems even with mental health, like if you're struggling with mental health, can you imagine struggle with mental health, but there being zero shame attached to it, zero Mm. guilt, zero judgment. And you're just so nice. You're just like, yeah, I struggle with depression, but that doesn't define who I am. I'm a good person. Mm. I have a lot to offer. I'm smart. You know what I mean? Like if we could just get rid of all the crap we tell ourselves, all the crap we take in, I, I genuinely believe, and it sounds so simple, But the sad thing is, it's actually the hardest thing for humans to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Thanks for keeping it top of mind. Thank you again for being here. Such an incredible closing thought. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. It was. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.